Welcome to PharmaTalk Radio. I'm Kate Woda. I am so pleased to welcome my guest, Dr. Erin Newburn, on the topic of IO biomarker discovery and personalized cancer therapy development and how Personalis is enabling this. Dr. Newburn is the Director and Field Application Scientist at Personalis. Welcome, Dr. Newburn. Thanks very much for giving me the opportunity to speak with you today, Kate. Thank you. Dr. Newburn, I thought we could start off by learning a little bit about yourself, your background, what inspired you to get into science, and of course, the work you're leading at Personalis. Sure. Um, I was interested in the biological sciences early in my education. And what always interested me was specifically cell signaling and cell pathway analysis. Um, back in biology class, looking at those, you know, very complex diagrams and posters of signal transduction pathways, that always was exciting to me. You know, cell signaling, you have this precise coordination in how cells translate extracellular signals into response, understanding the enzymes and molecules that participate in this process, the receptors, the kinases, and the mechanisms by which cells integrate multiple signals. This is what really inspired me to get into science. I, I wondered, you know, who, what scientist was able to figure out how these tightly organized cell signaling networks occur and how these protein-protein interactions occur. How cool, how amazing. And so I received my PhD from The Ohio State University in a program called the Integrated Biomedical Science Program. And at OSU, I did my PhD work in the pharmacology department working in a lab that focused on understanding neurodegenerative conditions such as Alzheimer's disease and Parkinson's disease. Of course, in cancer, uncontrolled cell growth is, is a hallmark of the disease. You know, one of the fundamental traits of cancer cells involves their ability to sustain chronic proliferation. However, in Parkinson's disease, we are working in the inverse manner and trying to therapeutically exploit these cell growth factor signals by using neurotrophic factors. Um, so I investigated a particular growth factor, GDNF, and looked at the signaling molecules and pathways that were activated in models of Parkinson's disease. I then did my postdoctoral fellowship at the National Institute of Health and then entered the biotech industry working for a small startup in the DC metro area for a few years before joining Porcinalis back in 2013. Um, here, I'm the director of the field application scientist team and our team provides the scientific and application support for our pharma customers. Um, Personalis has developed specific highly optimized sequencing assays and analytics to address the complex challenges in cancer and cancer samples. And this has led to the development of our enhanced exome and transcriptome-based ImmunoID Next platform. One key application of this solution is to enable very comprehensive tumor profiling for biomarker discovery, and also to help really further the understanding of mechanisms of tumor resistance and immunotherapy. Personalis also provides high quality genomic data for personalized cancer vaccines that are currently being investigated in clinical trials. Our platforms are the front end to many of these neoantigen-based personalized cancer vaccines that are currently being investigated. 
And in my position, it has been incredible to witness the technology advancements, such as those in next generation sequencing that have really helped to drive the clinical therapies for these more personalized immunotherapies. Dr. Newburn, as there's been much growth and excitement in IO in the past years, what is one thing that you found to be quite inspiring? Yes, um, I think right now the, the level of human creativity right now in coming up with new ways to make a drug to target cancer, it's a very exciting time for scientists right now in immuno-oncology with these new and better drugs to exploit our immune system's ability to eliminate tumors. Um, and I think one area where this is most evident is in the novel immunotherapies being developed, such as advances in CAR-T therapy. Um, over the years, CARs have been improved. There's been what's called first, second, and third generation by adding more molecules to change the design. Um, but also recently, researchers have the ability to now modify the CARs using the CRISPR technology to you know, potentially knock out particular genes that could cause toxicity. Uh, they're also working to modify the CAR to not become exhausted by knocking out certain molecules like PD-1. And another interesting area is also trying to work on these off-the-shelf CAR-T therapies where they could use a donor's T cells but remove by CRISPR the HLA of the donor T cells so that these cells won't be rejected by the patient's immune system. So overall, CAR-T therapy has been promising and you know, definitely quite effective in hematological malignancies like B-cell lymphoma, um, B-cell leukemia, but unfortunately, it's proven to be quite challenging for solid tumors. Um, and this might be due to the tumor microenvironment. There's various suppressive factors in the tumor microenvironment, or also you know, the difficulty in finding the right tumor antigens for the CAR-T design for solid tumors. Um, additionally, what to me is also very inspiring in the field, though, is to see the optimism that researchers have right now. I recently heard an investigator say, we are you know, just one finding away from discovering the right combination therapy that will work with immune checkpoint blockade. And his perspective is very true. Um, immune checkpoint blockade by itself as a monotherapy has been shown to only work in a you know, small percentage of patients. And so finding that right combination therapy is now the goal. Um, so there are many combinations being investigated, such as checkpoint inhibitors with chemotherapy, checkpoint inhibitors with targeted therapy, checkpoint inhibitors with CAR-T, and the number of clinical trials is, is going on is, is quite immense. And so with the work being done, we really are you know, potentially just one finding away. What is one challenge in amino-oncology translational research that you believe still exists? Yeah, so I think one of the biggest challenges in the field of translational research is the, the data interpretation and how to utilize and integrate this information into more composite biomarkers for immunotherapy response. Right now, the genomic assays such as whole exome and transcriptome sequencing are the methods needed. And these assays are very high content approaches. Um, exome sequencing allows cancer researchers to assess all coding regions of the DNA, 
which frequently contain mutations that affect tumor progression. And likewise, transcriptome sequencing captures the sequencing of the coding regions of the RNA to provide valuable info on gene expression changes in tumors. Um, so for targeted therapy biomarker identification, gene panels for DNA and RNA that cover maybe tens or even hundreds of genes have been effective. And these panels cover the most commonly mutated genes or candidate actionable genes in various cancers. And there are many of these panels on the market. And targeted cancer therapy is developed based on the identification of these actionable gene mutations and the development of targeted drugs. So for example, like in lung adenocarcinoma, you know, determining if the patient has EGFR mutations that activate the tyrosine kinase domain you know, is important as there are targeted therapies using EGFR tyrosine kinase inhibitors against tumors with these mutations. And so these have shown you know, good therapeutic effects. So here in this example, a panel approach is effective and it's often effective in biomarker discovery for targeted approaches. However, in immunotherapies like immune checkpoint blockade, single metrics are very coarse predictors of patient response. And unfortunately, a, a definitive biomarker does not yet exist for immunotherapies. Uh, the field continues to investigate several candidates, such as PDL1 expression, microsatellite instability, tumor mutational burden, gene expression signatures, microbiome diversity, and, and there's many more. And you know, while many of these are showing clinical utility, they do not entirely parse out responders and non-responders. Um, and it's really thought that for immunotherapies, what is needed is really a multi-dimensional, multimodal biomarker to really capture the interplay and the crosstalk between the tumor and the immune system. Um, just this week, the FDA approved the immunotherapy Keytruda for people whose tumors have a high tumor mutational burden, or TMV, uh, no matter where their cancer originated. And so the rationale for TMB as an immunotherapy biomarker is that tumors with high TMB are more likely to have a higher neoantigen load. Um, as neoantigens are thought to help our immune system recognize tumors as foreign and elicit CD4 positive and CD8 positive T cell activation, this would result in an anti-tumor response. So TMB is basically assessing uh, tumor foreignness. And so many early studies have proved you know, quite exciting in demonstrating TMB as a tool for predicting response to immune checkpoint inhibition. Um, but it does seem that we still need to get a finer understanding of this metric. Um, and to that point, you know, recent data from the group at Johns Hopkins University showed TMB can also be greatly confounded by the purity of the tumor specimen. Uh, they showed that using a um, non-small cell lung cancer cohort that was treated with anti-PD-1, that a tumor purity correction factor resulted in a much more accurate survival curve separation. Um, so thus, they, they proposed a corrected TMB as a potential and better predictor for response to immune checkpoint inhibitors. So this, this points to this need for a finer understanding of some of the details you know, regarding this metric. And there are many considerations being explored and investigators have been striving for standardization in TMB as well. 
and there are active, you know, ongoing efforts and collaborations to harmonize and standardize TMB reporting. So, you know, groups such as the Friends of Cancer Research have recently published some guidelines on this. Um, so, for example, from the first phase of their work, they recommend TMB to be reported as mutations per megabase. Uh, they also recommend that a universal bioinformatics pipeline to be implemented. And so, you know, TMB is basically counting up uh, mutations, you know, looking at tumor foreignness. But as I mentioned, for immunotherapy, this likely would be just one metric that will be incorporated and integrated into a more composite biomarker or composite score to better define responders and non-responders. And there is also interesting data, you know, put forth on this concept of a composite biomarker in the literature. Um, you know, for example, from non-small cell lung cancer, um, they integrated metrics such as TMB as well as HLA genetic variation and oncogenic driver mutations help to create an improved predictor for response to immune checkpoint blockade. So, you know, I think this is one of the challenges that exist, you know, how to create these better biomarkers by interpreting these broad genomic and transcriptomic data sets and integrate the molecular features into these more precise predictors. Is there anything in the field of IO that surprises you? Um, yes, I, I think you know, one thing that surprises me is how smart tumors are. Um, they have very tricky mechanisms of tumor resistance, especially acquired resistance mechanisms. Um, so with acquired resistance, a patient may initially respond, but this response is often short-lived, unfortunately, with eventual relapse. And so I just mentioned HLA genetic variation. So the HLA complex is essential and critical. So we must have an intact complex to properly present antigens to our immune system for surveillance. And so in general, mutations, not just in HLA, but also the antigen processing and presentation complex can also be a way the tumor evades our immune system. So loss of beta-2 microglobulin or B2M, um, damaging somatic mutations within B2M are another great example of this. So B2M is present on all nucleated cells and B2M is fundamental in antigen uh, presentation as it, it assists in folding and transport of peptides to the surface of the cell. So without proper peptide presentation on HLA, our cytotoxic CD8 positive T cells cannot recognize these non-self or, or neoepitopes to become activated. So B2M then, this tumor resistance mechanisms has been reported in many of the different classes of immunotherapy. It's been reported in adoptive cell therapy patients as well as checkpoint modulators. Um, and also this has been reported in some of the early reports from personalized cancer vaccines. So looking at the antigen processing machinery is just one example here of how tumors evade our immune system. So cancer has very devious ways and mechanisms of, of resistance. If we can just switch gears for a moment, um, I'd love to learn more about when you meet with your clients, what question do you most often receive from them? Sure. So 
typically the most frequent question from a new customer is, you know, how much tumor material is needed for our assays and our approaches? Um, and can you work with more difficult sample starting materials, such as working with formalin fixed paraffin embedded or FFPE tumor biopsies? So for most oncological studies in translational research, the sample format available is FFPE samples. And you know, why is that? Well, formalin can greatly preserve you know, precious tissue potentially for decades. Um, however, it has historically been challenging for DNA, but especially RNA-based studies. Um, these risks are well known out there in the literature. Um, as the chemical modification and cross-linking process can damage the integrity of nucleic acids. So again, although FFPE-treated samples have been notoriously challenging for next-generation sequencing studies in the past, the more recent reports within the field suggest and, and demonstrate that it is possible to isolate high-quality DNA and RNA to profile genetic variants from these properly prepared FFPE samples. So, you know, a standard pathology protocol exists. So, for example, this would be to fix the tissue with the 10% neutral buffer formalin for, for 24 hours. Yet, unfortunately, many clinical research studies may be dependent upon archival tumor tissue that has been fixed using, you know, variable methods and inconsistent procedures. So sometimes um, we must work with a more degraded sample material. So the tissue quality itself may pose challenges, but secondly, the quantity of materials available for translational research studies are also sometimes very limited. Um, however, at Personalis, we can work with as few as four of these fixed FFP slides in our optimized DNA and RNA extraction process. Again, I say four slides, but this also depends upon the quality of the materials. Um, and also in regards to sample formats, we can also work with other formats that might be available, such as fresh frozen samples. You know, here we need just 30 milligrams of tumor tissue, so basically the size of a grain of rice. Um, and we can work with cell pellets, we can work with bone marrow aspirates, and so we work with many different formats along with FFPE. And so when we receive the samples, we assess the quantity of materials, but what is also important is to assess the quality as well. So we assess quality of the extracted nucleic acid when we look at the size of the DNA and RNA fragments coming from the materials. So both quality and quantity are assessed in our process. Earlier you touched upon applications personalis is focusing on. Could you delve a bit deeper, perhaps describing some of the main application areas? Sure. So there are two primary applications where we focus. Um, the first is personalized cancer therapies, such as personalized neoantigen-based cancer vaccines. And these opportunities are exciting. Um, this is really personalized medicine at its best, where we are taking a patient's per particular tumor and detecting mutations and then neoantigens specifically for that patient and providing that data to our partners who then use this information to develop a vaccine specifically for that individual patient. 
Um, and personalis uh, were part of the front end of many of these first in human neoantigen-based cancer vaccine clinical trials. It's an exciting time. And neoantigens are, are not new to the field. It's been known for quite some time that there are tumor-specific mutations and that these would likely be highly immunogenic. Yet now I, I feel the technology has caught up. You know, to enable developing these types of personalized therapeutic approaches, we have high throughput sequencing instrumentation and optimized informatic pipelines to deliver this whole exome and transcriptome approach from a patient sample in a very timely manner. So at Personalis, we've developed solutions to overcome the complexity of selecting new antigens for cancer vaccines as well as we've built the operational infrastructure to meet timelines, which makes sense here for vaccine development. So we provide an expedited turnaround time, which is essential here since there is a patient waiting for treatment. Now, our, our second application focus is in biomarker discovery for oncology, as well as specifically immuno-oncology. Um, as I mentioned a few questions ago, most in the field acknowledge that there is still a need for better biomarkers to personalize therapy. Um, you know, development of cancer drugs is shifting from a, you know, one drug fits all approach to more personalized treatments enabled by advances in the methodologies, the analytics, as well as better profiling of the clinical trial participants. And for biomarker discovery, specifically for immunotherapy, there still is this unmet need for the development of more integrated molecular models for immunotherapy biomarkers. So, you know, many of our customers that we work with in the field are translational researchers who have archived samples from their phase one through phase three trials and are now trying to better understand response and non-response utilizing you know, comprehensive molecular data. So we provide them with the most comprehensive and accurate data to address these, these critical questions in translational studies. What differentiates Personalis from other NGS providers? So I believe one of our key differentiators is that we have an optimized end-to-end -end process for genomic services to provide solutions to our farmer partners that are of the highest quality. Um, while there's you know, companies maybe just focusing on the assay or just focusing on the analytics or perhaps focusing on databases, we have strived to be a partner throughout the, the complete process. Um, first, with next generation sequencing, the process itself takes on many steps. The start of the process, there is extracting DNA and RNA from the tumor sample. I had mentioned in one of the previous questions that this tends to be one of the most commonly asked questions. Uh, we know there are certain tumor biopsies that would be more difficult to work with in the NGS process than others. Um, this might be due to the format. You know, is it a fixed tumor specimen or a fresh frozen specimen? And also just what tumor type is it? Um, this is also important as there can be, you know, specific considerations based on the cancer indication you are working with to ensure you can get high quality DNA and RNA. For example, pancreatic tissue has an inherently large amount of enzymes that can challenge RNA quality 
Breast cancer has a high amount of fat. Um, so these are all upfront considerations. So we've optimized to work with you know, just a limited amount of tumor biopsy um, and also to work with these challenging sample formats and types. Um, but secondly, we have designed our genomic assays and approaches to require just a small amount of input material and also developed an innovative design that is a one-stop solution for biomarker discovery. And what I mean by that is our approach was purpose-built for immuno-oncology and designed it as, as a solution to use a, a single sample preparation and to consolidate the need for multiple assays. So, Traditional processes often require multiple samples to be sent to multiple vendors to get the essential data needed in the study. So for example, perhaps you know, having to send a blood sample from the patient for HLA testing, another tissue section to uh, assess expression analysis, and then sending another tissue section for assessing mutational burden. And the result is that translational researchers and investigators maybe sometimes had very difficult decisions, you know, trade-offs about which particular assays they could run when there is limited sample and, you know, taking more time to obtain results and also leading to more complex data integration. So we've really worked to consolidate multiple biomarker assays into one. Uh, we also use a proprietary chemistry, our ACE, or Accuracy Content Enhanced Technology, to ensure genomic regions are thoroughly covered. Um, this is the problem with the standard and conventional sequencing kits is that they have gaps and inconsistencies in sequencing coverage, so you can potentially have limited or poor coverage of genomic areas that may contain variants that you know, may result in immunogenic epitopes. And this is what we have recognized and addressed with our proprietary chemistry. So we've developed a very accurate assay. And then the next step in the process after sequencing is the bioinformatics, you know, making sense of the data. And as I mentioned, this is definitely still a challenge in the field. And this is one that we've also acknowledged and taken on in our platform design. Uh, we have created informatic modules, to allow our customers to generate informative immuno-oncology insights from our data. Um, one specific area as an example is in HLA. We deliver various HLA-related analytics. We've created proprietary tools to look at HLA typing and somatic variant calling in the HLA genes, as well as with HLA loss of heterozygosity, which is now thought to be a very prominent tumor escape mechanisms for immunotherapy. So we've really strived to be an end-to-end all-inclusive provider. And we really are a partner throughout the development process, throughout drug discovery. You know, currently we are supporting many pharma and biopharma customers in their clinical development and translational research of their phase one through three trials. Um, but we now also have clinical testing support with the launch of one of our newer offerings, the NextDX test. Um, at the end of 2019, we launched this test, our clinical NextDX test, to help oncologists identify therapies and potential clinical trials for cancer patients. Um, this test provides a diagnostic report on genetic alterations and medically important cancer genes. We report on microsatellite instability status, as well as tumor mutational burden is also included in the clinical report. 
Um, and it's important to note that our tumor mutational burden is exome scale, and as opposed to a panel-based assessment where this is bioinformatically extrapolated, we give a true exome-wide assessment of TMB. And this test, NextEx, is also exciting for personalists as it represents our first step towards a companion diagnostic. And our business development team has developed a strategy and a path towards a CDX. So that's a bit about what I believe helps differentiate us from some of the other companies in our space. Dr. Newburn, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me about IO biomarker discovery and personalized cancer therapy. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Kate. For more information on applications Personalis offers, please visit www.personalis.com. Thanks for listening.